Hello and welcome to Motive Insights, the Motive Partners podcast where we live and breathe the next generation of financial technology. Welcome back. I'm Swathi. I'm a vice president in the investment team at Motive. And today we're really excited to speak about a recent investment that Motive has made into with intelligence which is a leading provider of data and insights to the asset management and alternatives industry. At Motive, we've been closely following the trends around the asset management sector and the need for, yet the lack of data, has become an increasing pain point in the space. As the asset management industry continues to grow, so comes with the increased complexity with the likes of new sub-industries or regulation. The customers in this space, who are asset managers or asset allocators, are demanding data to inform their decisions, data which is severely lacking and unstructured today. Over the last 18 months or so, we've been building a thesis around this space and seeking an asset to service this critical need. And so when we had the opportunity to partner and invest into with intelligence, we saw it as a way to address this. We, in fact, have been tracking this business since 2021 and have been engaged with Charlie, the founder and CEO of with intelligence and the management team since late 2022, and have been building a strong relationship with them since. So a little bit about the business. With Intelligence was founded in 1998 by Charlie Kerr. The business began under the name of Pageant Media, a media business that has since evolved into more info services over the years. And today the business is on its journey to shift towards being more data and analytics focused. And this is really where Motive can support through its IOI or investor, operator, innovator model. With Intelligence is a global business with headquarters in London, serving over 2,500 customers. The business has been growing over 30% in revenue while still being profitable. So what does it do? It provides a platform where intelligence can be accessed on, for example, an online browser as easily as you going on Amazon. On there, you can find information such as profiles on participants in the space, so on the asset allocators and managers, to metrics and KPIs on them, news about what's happening in the industry, and proprietary thought pieces and intelligence. It also provides a suite of events as a forum to connect the industry participants, and this is yet another source of intel that feeds into the platform. And all of this is really to help with the fundraising and asset allocation lifecycle and ultimately supporting the asset allocator and manager communities. We announced Motive's majority investment into the business only a few short weeks ago. Alongside Motive, the prior institutional shareholder, ICG, as well as management, rolled a portion of their stake. We're delighted to be part of this phase in the With Intelligence journey and look forward to the partnership. And with that, I'm thrilled to say that we'll be joined by Charlie, the founder and CEO of With Intelligence. Today, just a few weeks on from a big announcement around our investment with with Intelligence, I'm joined by Charlie Kerr, the founder and CEO of With Intelligence. Welcome to the podcast, Charlie. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this for a number of reasons. Firstly, because we're talking to an audience here who are not just our audience, but will also be your audience, given 
the type of business you are, a data and analytics platform in the asset management industry. I've also been looking forward to it because I know you're a lot of fun. And I thought we were going to have a, a super candid conversation, which probably will take us to all sorts of places you weren't expecting. Not least of all that I heard you were at Glastonbury just a week or two before we signed the deal, which I thought was uh, ambitious, but also somewhat inspirational. That is true, correct? It is. Not only is it true, I went to bed at half past two and then I had a session from 8.30 in the morning, 3 till 10.30 at night with Motives, which I was leading most of. And you still wanted to do the deal. So I think Glastonbury <laughs> is a, uh, it's a top tip. As long as you weren't doing it from a tent or the side of a stage, I have no doubt you would have performed. Um, thank you for spending the time with us. You've been on a fascinating journey with with. I know you've been with the firm since you founded it 25 years ago, which means you started the firm very, very young. But perhaps let's talk a little bit about your background and what led you to actually starting the business, which I know back then was a slightly different premise. Yeah. So I started when I was 26. And I think that's a great time to start a business because you've got very little to lose and an awful lot of learning to do. I basically got kicked out of a very posh boys school when I was 16. And then from that went straight to working in a call center for British Telecom where I do the emergency services and the director inquiries. And that was an incredible kind of finishing school in actually working out what the real world looked like, what it was to have a real job, what it was to work with people of different ages and of different backgrounds. And then I basically spent the next 10 years selling advertising space. But I always knew I was going to have a business. In fact, my best mate from school, a chap called Seb, we always sort of had dreams of when we left school starting a business. And then that happened when I was 26, he was 25. I think he'd just been made redundant from a building site in Brixton. So I was tempted to write to the school to get his fees back. And we started and we just made mistake after mistake after mistake. But I think that's very much the best way to learn. And the first kind of three years, or in fact, five years, were really about running a small business. That small business could have been in any industry, but we learned what it was like to meet a payroll. We learned what it was like to give our customers what we said we were going to give them, hiring people and that kind of thing. And then after five years, we met our first non-exec chairman who really helped us become a small B2B media business. And that was our sort of first journey. And that's when we started thinking about things in terms of universes. We started thinking about events and that kind of thing. But it was brilliant to start a business with my best mate. And one of the things that I am most proud of is not only have we built a great business, but we're still best mates. So you founded the business in, in 1998. 26 years old. It, it was founded as Pageant Media, as you said, focused on news and events. Uh, a lot of journalists and events professionals on, on the books. But it's evolved a huge amount into the data platform that the industry knows today with intelligence. Can you tell us a little bit about that evolution and the change in product set, the technification of the platform, and, and how you did that through both organic and, and inorganic growth? Yeah, I think the, the three phases of this business have been as a B2B media business, as an info services business, and finishing up as a data and analytics platform. And very much in the early days, we were a traditional B2B media model. So not many subs, quite a lot of advertising, and we started building out events. And we did this in lots of different areas. And it was really, I guess, in 2000, just after the financial crisis, that we actually really started to focus on asset management as our hub. 
And I'd love to say there was a grand plan, but lots of opportunism. There were lots of acquisitions that we did around asset management that were low quality assets that we could really improve. And that's how we sort of came to a place of having the beginnings of a info services business, probably in 2016, 2017. That's when we started thinking much more about data and much more about helping our sort of key job in life is to help institutional investors allocate better and to help asset raisers raise better. And really about giving both of those audiences sets of unique information that help them do their jobs better. And that's really the journey that we went on, I guess, in 2016, 17 onwards. That tied in with recruiting a second non-exec chair, who is a brilliant man called Graham Elton, who really helped us put some kind of real strategic thinking and have real strategic horsepower about what we were doing and married that with the kind of entrepreneurial horsepower that we had. That really was the sort of basis of our next journey into becoming an info services business, which is where we are now and on the journey to becoming a data and analytics platform that's role in life is really going to be about helping those two functions do their jobs better. And we hope to become completely indispensable to those that are allocating and those that are raising. That's the bit I want to focus on next. Yeah, What a great mission statement to help those who are allocating, allocate better and raising, raise better. And with has grown in parallel to the growth of alternatives, which over the last 25 years has been a spectacular growth trajectory. How's that space changed from then to now? I can never really pronounce the word institutionalized. In fact, today I think it's the first time that I've been able to pronounce that word properly. <laughs> but there's been a massive institutionalization going on over the last, I guess, the last 15 years in particular. And I think we're about to enter a really interesting phase for alts. I think it's going to be a more challenging phase. I think as the industry has matured, I think an awful lot of the fundraising has come in-house. And as the fundraising has come in-house, the need for our services is much greater. And essentially what we help asset managers do is raise better. And we do that with data product, we do that with news product, and we do that with the ability to actually meet investors. So it's a fairly, what well, is a completely unique offering. And I think as the industry walks into this more challenging phase, we're going to be really well set to help them. Today, you've got the SEC voting on the private funds rule, which has, you know, could have major consequences for the industry. It'll have major consequences on the data that we're able to collect and the data that we're able to surface and how it can be analysed. So I think it's a it's a really exciting time for alts in general. It certainly is. And let's just zoom out for a moment and, and perhaps fast forward a period of time. Alternatives continues to grow. Yes, there are new regulations, but generally speaking, more to allocate, more to invest. What's the big vision? What does WITH look like in five years' time, 10 years' time? Certainly within five years' time, we want to be the number one destination. If you are allocating to alts, we want to help you allocate to alts in a much better way than you're currently doing. And we're wanting to help you raise assets much more effectively. Probably when you're launching a fund or you're raising a fund, there's probably six or 7,000 investors that could possibly invest in your fund. There's probably about 250 that really could, and there's probably about 100 that really should. And we will be able to identify those people much better. We will be able to help you raise assets much more effectively. And a lot of that's coming from having deeper data sets and having a, an improved advantage data set 
on investors and we get that advantage data set by a give to get model, but also laying on analytics, laying on AI and data science in general really will tell you which are the perfect investors for you to go to and for you to spend your time with. And the same thing will be true for investors as well. So I think that's where we're going to sit. We're going to continue to sit in that space and we're just going to provide a more and more indispensable product to our customers. As an asset raiser, it'll be the first thing that you boot up in the morning and will basically be by your side throughout the entire asset raising journey. Yeah, I, I for one am uh, already in the process of uh, becoming a user. And let's think for a moment about other users, our, our audience listening today. And if we jump into our kind of target audience and pick a key persona, if you're listening and you're a private equity limited partner, a large pension fund, what can with offer me to do my job better today? We are at our best when we help you find people that you don't already know. So if you're sat in Wisconsin and you're looking to find a manager in Asia and you want to, you've got a certain ticket size in, in mind, you've got a certain strategy that you want to pursue, you can use us for an assisted search. So you can say to us, this is what I'm looking for. We can go to everybody on, on our database and we can get them to fill in a questionnaire on your behalf. So when you're searching for managers that are not on the fairway, we can very much help you do that. We can also help you in the news flow. So we can tell you what people that are in your pipeline are doing. We can tell you what the managers that you're invested in are doing, if they're launching, if people are moving in those spaces. And we can also tell you what your peer group is doing. So it may be that you'll get a, a feed of all of investors like you, what they're searching for, and that kind of thing. So it's really about keeping you abreast of what's happening in your space, but also giving you the ability to find managers and then also monitor managers. So, you know, you can use the data to look at your pipeline and have a sort of more of a 360 degree view of a manager rather than the one that they want to give you. Going from the big end to, to the smaller end, you mentioned some of the larger private equity or alternative asset managers. Depending on who you speak to, 20 to 50% of commitments in the future are going to come from global wealth or really through the democratization of alternatives. How, how are you guys at with starting to think about that as a channel? Well, we've launched something called a wealth partnership. So we've got a, a product called the Partnership Products. And what that is, is it's a members group for GPs. And as part of their membership, they get access to data, they get specific cuts of data, but they also get meetings with various groups of investors over the year. So we started the Wealth Partnership that I think debuts next month. And it's really about working out within those groups where the decisions are made in terms of allocating and how those decisions are made and what tools that we can create for those groups to actually make those decisions and also get unique intelligence and unique data from the global wealth allocators into what they're looking to invest in and to get an idea of the way they want to invest. Is it through managed accounts? Are they going to do first closes, etc.? So I think we see the global wealth space as a massive space we think a lot of the way that they're going to allocate is going to be similar to the way that institutions are currently allocating. This business, from our perspective, is all about relationships. It's relationships with allocators and being able to give them something in order for them to give us data that is unique, that gives our customers a greater insight into what the allocators are doing and knowing which allocators they want to spend time with and which allocators they really want to invest in those relationships. You're absolutely right. Your next one is 
I believe, next month in Chicago because Blythe Masters, one of our founding partners, is uh, attending and speaking at it. Yeah, and those are great events. They're very, they're very intimate, and they're a really good opportunity for allocators to spend top quality time with practitioners and to share ideas in a really informal setting. And I think that the thing that is that sort of bugbear for me is how much the big managers get all of the, the, the love and attention. And I think, you know, if you look at a consultant, they will look at something like, you know, in Europe, a very well-known consultant that will look at 750 funds a year, but will only show 47 to their clients. I would really like to help with that kind of democratization of allowing smaller managers with more interesting things to get in front of investors as opposed to just going through this sort of brand name experience. And I think as the private equity industry sort of develops or the private markets and also in general develop in the next little while, I would really like to see opportunity for smaller emerging managers to get in front of managers and, and, and get a fair crack at the whip. I, I couldn't agree more. I think it's only a good thing for, for the industry. This next question feels it feels a tad self-serving, but I guess I'm asking it from a place of intrigue. You know, Motive's now the majority owner of with Intelligence. We've joined in partnership with you and with the previous owners, ICG, but we really had to fight for the privilege and your testament to the company that you've built and your team. There were a lot of other private equity firms seeking to be a part of this brilliant company and the journey. Why Motive? I think in life, it's really about fit. And it felt like a really good fit with motive. It felt like a really good fit for lots of reasons. And I think at the heart of our culture as a business, we always want to improve and we always want to develop. And we're very collaborative and we're very eager to learn. And I think I felt that Motive had so many of the things that would help us accelerate our growth. So, you know, today I've, I've been on, I think I've been on two or maybe even three calls that Motive, there are two calls I'd be that with, with Motive today, one around automation. And we're getting access to thinking and skill that we simply wouldn't have at a different PE firm. And that's sort of a real partnership. So I think it was the partnership, I think it was the focus on innovation. I think it was the idea that you've got people in your organization that have been there before and face a lot of the challenges that we're facing and in a very collaborative way will help us face them together. And it just felt like the right fit. So you're right, you know, in a, in a fairly challenging market, we were a, a very sought after asset. And I think we're ready for the kind of value creation that Motive can bring, can help and, 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 and will want us to deliver on. I caught up earlier today, Charlie, with Corey. Corey and, and the Motive Create team represent the innovation pillar of the IOI model, investing, operating, innovating. And while I don't want to divulge too much of the, the secret sauce we have underway with you guys, can you talk through a little bit around the areas of growth in our combined value creation plan that excite you the most? I think at the heart of what we're doing is we're recognizing that LPs are sitting on a lot of information and data that GPs would like to get hold of. And we have, and we're going to continue to create more tools that help LPs. And the LPs, in return for getting those tools, will help us get better information, better data sets that will help GPs actively target investors better. And that's at the heart of what we're doing. So we want to make sure that our hedge fund offering, which is the most mature, continues to develop and that we continue to dominate that space. We also want to make sure that 
across markets like private credit, we're offering both the LP and the GP the best data sets in order to raise and allocate. And at the heart of this is really understanding what allocators want. And if any of your listeners think, ah, I have an unmet need, and these guys are with can meet that unmet need, give us a call, because we would love to know what more we can do for allocators to make their jobs easier. And in return for helping them do that, they will hopefully give us better information that can just make the whole marketplace smoother and work more efficiently. Charlie, a final question to end on. You've, you've been humble about the number of acquisitions you, you've done, I, I think 14 or so through the history from the pageant days all the way through to today. Do you see uh, M&A being an important part of the future growth story over the coming years? Yeah, definitely. But I think it's it's an M&A for a purpose. It won't be opportunistic. It'll be where we have a roadmap of where we want to go. And often M&A will accelerate where we get there. Or we think we can really improve our offering with some M&A. There's lots of levers around M&A that we can pull. And the really important thing is to make sure that once you've You've bought something, you integrate it, and it becomes part of the platform rather than having little pockets everywhere. So, yeah, lots more M&A, but done with discipline and making sure that it goes to that mission, which is helping allocators allocate better and raises raise better. And, Charlie, you've just come through a long process, one that we've spent a lot of time on together. And already we're knee-deep into the value creation plan and execution. Are you going to get a little bit of time out this summer to rest before the next sprint? I just I arrived last night. I came back from Sydney because I went to see the Lionesses, the England ladies football team, sadly get beaten by Spain. But it was an amazing experience. And I think I'm a big football fan. And I think women's football is just brilliant for the sport in general. And being father to lots of daughters... I just love the idea of women's football. So I've done a bit of that. And it's kind of, you know, the way we work now, as long as you've got a iPad or a laptop somewhere, you can work and do interesting things at the same time. You know, in your business, I mean, your deal teams just work phenomenally hard, bonkersly hard. I think the last two weeks of August, you have a sort of no internal meetings and not work from the office policy, which doesn't seem to be working very well. Because I saw Corey in the office today and I think you're in the office. I am in the office. I don't think I got that memo. <laughs> but that is, in fact, next week. And yeah, it, it's important. It really it really is. And I'm glad you've had some time out in Australia. But yeah, despite England losing, what I would have given to have seen that game. It was, yeah, it was an extraordinary game. And we all want to channel that in a Mary Earps when she saved that penalty. <laughs> we absolutely do. Charlie, thank you so much for everything and for, for picking us. We're really excited about the journey ahead and we see huge, huge potential to combine our expertise and the amazing work that you and the team have already done to build a great future for the industry. We're actually going to be joined on this podcast now by two other components of the IOI model, an investor, Swathi, and an innovator, Ross, and they're going to talk through a little bit more uh, about the deal in a layer of technicality that I'm going to leave them all to. So thank you, Charlie, and I look forward to seeing you soon. I'm looking forward to hearing uh, what Swathi and Ross have to say. Goodbye. Great. Thanks for that, Charlie and Sam. And with that, it would be great to hear from Ross from our Motive Create team and really about what the Create team liked about the company and what you focused on over the diligence period. Thanks, Swathi. My name is Ross. I'm a manager on the due diligence and value creation team at Motive Create. 
and Create conducted a detailed diligence on technology and data, working extensively with both our deal team and, of course, Charlie and his team throughout the process. I think through that engagement, there were really three things that we liked the most about the asset. Number one was the, the sheer volume and strength of the propriety data on the platform we felt was a really defensible competitive advantage, in part due to the extensiveness and quality of those relationships that the platform and the company have more broadly. At the early stages of its transition to a data and analytics platform from a B2B media and then infoservices business, the data breadth and depth we feel or we thought rather provided a really strong foundation that we could help the business build on with technology innovation. The team also worked really hard over the last few years to successfully build and launch a new platform that lays the foundation for future growth and innovation. So that included designing a scalable architecture using modern technology components and also making improvements across their operating model, in particular, the maturity of their software development processes. I think finally for us, the team were incredibly open throughout the process, and that made us really excited about the opportunity to partner with them to help them accelerate their journey. And we felt we could make a real impact. I think as Charlie referenced earlier in the podcast, some of those initiatives have been realized immediately. We've had plenty of engagement with the team over the first few weeks of the investment and the initiatives are underway and we're already starting to see that demonstrated value of Motive's IOI model. That's great. And on the value creation side, would love to hear more about what that plan encompasses and the kind of work we have ahead of us. So I think as part of our diligence, we created a product technology and data value creation plan. And that was something we presented to management before signing and cited as a differentiator and motives potential as a partner for with. And that's, as Charlie referenced, recognizing that opportunity for the power of creates innovation capabilities as part of motives IOI model. So for us, with intelligence's proving give to get model had the basis to unlock value from the flywheel effect where really the more LPs and LP data on the platform would in turn attract more GPs and GPs data, which will in turn attract more LPs and GPs and so on and so on. Our VCP was therefore guided by the exam question, what features and data would drive more LPs and GPs to engage with the platform? However, really there's not a fixed answer as this will change over time and be different for different demographics, markets, et cetera. So instead, we really focused on how we could help with build the foundations of a mature data and product operating model that is flexible to allow for the quick identification assessment and release of new features, products and data to really help them uncover the gold in the ground. And I think that the gold in the ground became like a running theme across various diligence areas as well, because I think what we really saw was the benefit of the data that it has and the network that it has, which creates a natural moat, which kind of supports its position in the market. And I think we believe a critical enabler of this operating model will be the industrialization of advanced data and analytics technologies across the business. And that includes scaling, RPA or robotic process automation, artificial intelligence, machine learning solutions, all of which have the potential for efficiency, accuracy and scalability gains. That's going to help the business reduce time to market, but it's also going to help open the door for new products and features altogether. So at Motive Create, we've not only seen these technologies disrupting the market, but through our in-house data science and engineering capabilities, have been working closely with some of our portfolio companies to ensure that really they're at the forefront of this innovation and deliver this transformation firsthand. So recently, we've worked on a project to leverage large language models to deliver a priority chatbot 
that can effectively automatically extract data from large text files, such as policy documents, et cetera, and provide recommendations and insights in place of a human. We're really excited to partner with, with and explore and implement solutions like this and help involve their business. And we're looking forward to implementing future projects in this space. Great. Thanks for that, Ross. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you for your time and insights. And thank you very much for tuning in. I'm Sam. See you next time. The information contained in this podcast is intended for discussion purposes only. It is not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation for the purchase or sale of a security or any services of motor partners. All investing involves risk, and there is no guarantee that past performance will be indicative of future results. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are as of the date of recording, reflect the views and opinions of the persons expressing them, and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of motive partners. Motive partners makes no representations or warranties as to the accuracy, reliability, or completeness of any information provided, and undertakes no obligation to update, amend, or clarify the information in the podcast, whether as a result of new information, future events, or otherwise. Any securities, transactions, or holdings discussed may not represent investments made by motive partners. It should not be assumed that securities, transactions, or holdings discussed, if any, were or will be profitable, or that the recommendations or decisions made in the future will be similar, or will equal the performance of the securities, transactions, or holdings discussed herein. This podcast may contain forward-looking statements that are based on beliefs, assumptions, current expectations, estimates, and predictions about the financial industry the economy, motive partners or motive partners investments. Nothing in the podcast should be construed or relied upon as investment, legal, accounting, tax or other professional advice or in connection with any offer or sale of securities.